This is BT Techno, a regular podcast series for financial advisors wanting to remain at the forefront of strategy, regulatory and industry news. By all indications, the recent release of a consultation paper on proposals for reform delivered by the Quality of Advice Review shows that this advice review is of a high quality. Whilst only proposals for considerations at this point are not formal or final recommendations, the direction that is being proposed certainly is worthy of consideration. Hello and welcome to this week's Techno Podcast. I'm Brian Ashenden and I have the pleasure of leading the BT Technical Services team, a group of qualified individuals who are available to assist you with any advice, technical and strategy related queries as you plan recommendations for your clients. The consultation paper released on the 29th of August 2022 and open for consultation until the 23rd of September 2022, contains 12 proposals for consultation. But to really understand what these proposals are trying to achieve, it is worthwhile reading the explanatory text in the consultation paper before each of the relevant proposals. Whilst all proposals are worthy of discussion, in today's podcast I will explore some of the proposals in more detail and how the proposals may work. The first two proposals would effectively act together to expand the definition of what constitutes personal advice and, at the same time, remove the definition of general advice. For some time now, we have seen confusion between when comments should or perhaps could be regarded as being general advice. Despite the best intentions of the provider of the comments for the advice to be regarded as only general in nature, The fact that the comments are coming from an expert in an area has at times led to a conclusion that it would be open to reasonably conclude that they were personal in nature. And therein lies the problem that these reforms are trying to address. Shouldn't advice just be advice? Why is the distinction actually necessary? As chair of the review, Michelle Levy has proposed that the financial services regime should regulate the provision of personal advice something the industry has long discussed, and that personal advice is a recommendation or opinion provided to a client about a financial product or class of financial product and, at the time that advice is provided, the provider has or holds information about the client's objectives, needs, or any aspect of the client's financial situation. Now, the difference here to the existing law is that currently to be defined as personal advice, you need to take the client's objectives or financial situation into account when providing the recommendation. If this proposal is accepted, simply holding such information about the client is going to be enough. This more inclusive or perhaps expansive approach is designed to work together with other proposals in the consultation paper. And I'll get to how that could work um, shortly. Now, what are some of the possible consequences to consider under this proposal? Well, if the holding of client information leads to a greater chance that advice is being given, then it may mean that more people or organisations will be providing or be able to provide personal advice in the future. Now, again, this is essentially the intent. You know, providing an advice warning or a general advice warning is no longer going to be enough. This is presumably to make it simpler for customers or consumers and to encourage more Australians to start seeking personal advice. It still remains a requirement, though, that there is a recommendation or opinion about a financial product before it potentially becomes personal advice. 
which means marketing material, such as newsletters, provided by an advisor to their clients, would still not be personal advice unless they contained recommendations or opinions. Do they contain opinions? Well, arguably, yes, if they make comments about the benefits of superannuation, as an example. But again, other proposals may lessen the concerns on newsletters falling within a personal advice definition. Or alternatively, it will actually require some greater consideration of what actually is included within a newsletter. Either way, this clarity should be of better of benefit for customers. Now, with the potential expansion of who could be deemed to be providing personal advice, would this mean that more people will become subject to the current professional standards regime that applies for financial advisors? In general, the answer to that will be no. And no changes to the professional standards regime have been recommended out of this current review. What has been proposed, however, is a change to the definition of who is a relevant provider, which is important given it is the definition of a relevant provider that then invokes the professional standards regime. Now, it's been proposed that a provider of personal advice should be a relevant provider where the provider is an individual and either the client pays a fee for the advice or the provider or their licensee receives a commission for the advice or there is an ongoing advice relationship between the advisor and the client or the client has a reasonable expectation that such a relationship exists. Now, this proposed definition would mean that advice that is not provided by an individual, such as a digital advice model or advice provided by a super trustee to its members as intrafund advice, would not be captured as this is not advice provided by an individual or none of the other requirements are met where it is an individual. Now, this distinction again becomes important as relevant providers are subject to the code of ethics and there is no proposal to change this. In fact, it is stated that it remains relevant to be bound to the code and the best interest duty requirements that are specifically called out in the code. This then leads to another recommendation around the provision of personal advice, which is the removal of the best interest duty under the Corporations Act and replacing it with a requirement to provide good advice. Now, for some time, the best interest duty and its associated safe harbour steps in the corporation's law has led to questions about whether best interest means the best and what a better position looks like. Now, have the safe harbour steps led, as suggested out of the Royal Commission, to a ticker box or checklist type approach. The requirement on a provider of personal advice to provide good advice would be measured as advice that would be reasonably likely to benefit the client, having regard to the information that is available to the provider at the time the advice is provided. This definition still arguably retains some subjectivity because of the reasonableness test, but is perhaps clearer. But, you know, of course, uh, remember that financial advisors as relevant providers still need to meet the best interest requirements under the Code of Ethics, such as Standard 5, which requires that all advice and product recommendations are in the best interest of the client. Now, again, is this a bad result? Not necessarily. Beyond the arguments as to why a Code of Ethics is necessary as part of the professionalism advice... Would it not be an argument for a financial advisor to use in attracting and retaining clients? You know, you could go and see a bank teller or speak to your super fund and receive good advice. 
that is likely limited to certain products, or come and see me as your financial advisor, and I'll not only give you good advice, but also advice that is in your best interests. Now, the final proposal that I wanted to discuss today is the proposal that providers of personal advice to retail clients would be required to maintain complete records of the advice that they provide and to provide a written record of advice to a client on request. Now, technically, this means no more statements of advice or the ROAs um, type approach. And this is perhaps one of the biggest wins under these proposals. There have been many studies that show not only how costly it is to produce these advice documents, but also how unwieldy they have become and arguably would therefore be in breach of the legal requirements to be clear, concise and effective. Now, completing complete records as proposed should not be an issue for financial advisors, as effectively that's already required under Standard 8 of the Code of Ethics. I would, however, suggest that there are two other considerations um, that this particular proposal might raise. Will we see the end to any form of documentation at the time of providing the advice to a client? I'd suspect not. We're probably still looking for some form of documented acknowledgement from the client that the recommendations can be implemented. In current terms, that's our authority to proceed. And also, it would not be a surprise for licensees, if not uh, professional indemnity providers, to still want to see some form of document that summarises the recommendations. Now, with the absence of the considerable existing disclosure requirements, these documents should be considerably shorter and may allow for perhaps more innovative approaches in how they're delivered. It is also worth noting that this proposal relates to the providers of personal advice to retail clients, but actually it makes the treatment almost akin to that of wholesale clients. SOAs aren't required for wholesale clients and under this proposal they wouldn't be for retail clients. In both situations, advisors would be keeping relevant records of the recommendations they make. And in the case of a wholesale client, there is usually some form of document document provided, sometimes referred to as the strategy paper. The approach will now arguably be more closely aligned, but with retail clients still receiving the additional levels of protection that aren't available to a wholesale client. Now, there are a number of other proposals included in the consultation paper, and I'll discuss them more and some other thoughts on those covered in this podcast in an upcoming BT Academy webinar on the 28th of September 2022. Soon, you'll be able to register for that webinar by heading to www.bt.com.au forward slash professional and follow the links to the BT Academy webinar series. But why not head there now and register for our next webinar on the 14th of September, which will be presented by Michael Tran from BT's technical services team and which focuses on personal deductible contributions to super, a very timely topic as clients start preparing their tax returns. The need to understand the rules around deductibility is important, as well as the procedural requirements to obtain that deduction. Now, all of our BT Academy technical webinars are accredited for CPD and can be viewed on demand or on replay if you can't join us live. And remember, if you have any questions on these or other advice strategy questions for your clients, you can call our BT Technical Services team on 1800 655 901 or email the team at technical at btfinancialgroup.com. Until next time, bye for now.
BT Tech knows, and now you know. Join us next time to keep ahead of the curve for strategy, regulatory and industry news. This podcast is being developed for financial advisor use only and provides general information only. It does not take into account any particular individual's objectives, financial situations or needs.